Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Atlanta Anarchy. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. A planned new police training center outside of Atlanta, again the flashpoint in the battle between law and order and anarchists. Nearly three dozen arrested in a violent protest that included those protesters setting fire to construction equipment and launching fireworks at responding police officers. Police Chief Darren Shirebaum. When you attack law enforcement officers, you damage equipment, you are breaking the law. This was a very violent attack that occurred this evening. Very violent attack. This wasn't about a public safety training center. This was about anarchy, and this was about the attempt to destabilize. Most of those involved reportedly not from that area. Kentucky with the most power outages nationwide as it recovers from storms that turned deadly. Around 130,000 in the dark following recent storms that killed five people. Louisville Mayor Linda Gorton. Damage citywide is estimated in the millions. Governor Andy Bashir mourning the loss of life. Uh, we've lost five Kentuckians. We didn't want to lose any more. The victims included four men and one woman. Wind speeds reached over 70 miles an hour. A vacation turns to nightmare for four Americans kidnapped in Mexico. The four were in a vehicle when they came under fire in the city of Matamoros, according to the FBI. They'd driven in from Brownsville, Texas, and were in a minivan with North Carolina plates. They were taken from the scene by armed men. The FBI is offering a $50,000 reward for their return. The U.S. consulate had just issued an alert on Friday because of drug cartel violence in the area. CBS's Cammie McCormick. Meanwhile, another group of lawmakers is touring the Texas border with Mexico, led by Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who's taking that group along the major smuggling route where high-speed chases are commonplace. You cannot drive along Highway 90 right now. It's pure chaos. It's one of the most dangerous roads in America. This latest tour comes as rhetoric over illegal immigration heats up. A Maryland woman murdered by an MS-13 gang member who snuck across the border into Texas. Prominent Republicans are demanding answers from the head of Homeland Security regarding that suspect's detention status. He's charged with first-degree murder, robbery, and rape. Now to Ukraine, where the battle rages for the key city of Bakhmut. Locals are being encouraged to evacuate. We meet Sasha and Ludmila, who've been married for 46 years. Sasha tells us his health is deteriorating fast, and he's ready to go. But Ludmila just can't bring herself to abandon her life. Do you support your husband's decision to leave while you stay here? Yes, yes, yes. It's hard, she says. I will survive. I am strong. CBS's MTS Tyab there. Time running out for TikTok. A growing number of Republican lawmakers want to give the president the ability to ban the social media site, citing its ties to the Chinese Communist Party. This is really a national security issue and a consumer protection issue. Senator John Cornett of Texas calling TikTok a Chinese spy balloon that sits on your phone. Not again. A new Norfolk Southern derailment in Ohio over the weekend, this time in Springfield near Columbus. 20 cars peeled off the track near Springfield, Ohio. Residents nearby were asked to briefly shelter in place. Local officials say there is no public risk. The Ohio EPA made the determination that it was safe, so there is no hazard, both groundwater, air, nothing like that. 
That wreck happened a couple of hundred miles from East Palestine, Ohio, site of a much more serious derailment. President Biden in Selma over the weekend during ceremonies commemorating the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday anti-racism protests. We can't just choose to learn what we want to know and not what we should know. We should learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth of who we are as a nation. And everyone should know the truth of Selma. Biden told the crowd he'll continue to fight for civil rights that 600 marchers shed blood for nearly six decades ago. Biden, meanwhile, set to unveil his upcoming budget proposal during a visit to Pennsylvania this week. He'll hold a campaign-style event Thursday in Philadelphia. Should he run for re-election, one possible Republican foe Biden will face is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who sounded like a candidate in a speech at the Ronald Reagan Library over the weekend. We are not going to teach our students to hate this country or to hate each other. We are not going to divide our students on the basis of their skin color. We are going to teach them that what is important is the content of their character. DeSantis is scheduled to speak in Pennsylvania next month as well, along with Kellyanne Conway. Prior to DeSantis's visit, police in California were investigating vandalism at the Reagan Presidential Library. Employees arrived Sunday morning prior to his visit to find Ron DeFascist spray-painted on signs. The NTSB investigating after severe turbulence during a flight en route from New Hampshire to Virginia left one person dead. A private business jet, five people aboard, was supposed to land in Leesburg Friday, but was diverted to Connecticut. Aviation safety expert Michael Tiger. Wouldn't be surprised in the least if there was blunt trauma injury as a result of being thrown around while this passenger was unsecured. Cockpit voice and data recorders have been removed from that aircraft to try to figure out what happened. The dulcet tones of Florida's annual conch shell blowing contest. One competitor even served up a version of Elvis Presley's Hound Dog. You ain't nothing but a fish. Swimming in the the conch shell has long been considered a symbol of the Keys, even though it often sounds a bit off-key. Still to come on the Noon Report, a stampede claims a life after a Rochester rap concert, funeral arrangements set for a fallen Buffalo firefighter, and plans to boost Pennsylvania's aging infrastructure. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams, tracking a narrow snow system that is targeting the northern tier counties of Pennsylvania for some snow accumulations. I'll have forecast details coming up shortly. We'll see you in 10. All right, thank you, Kevin. Now checking the stories, making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. A Sunday night concert in Rochester turns tragic. We have three people unconscious. APR in progress. The building is safe. Well, there will be escorts. First responders called out in droves last night after a stampede at a rap concert in Rochester left at least one person dead, several others injured. The stampede reportedly triggered by a belief that gunfire had broken out inside of the venue, although police say it appears there was no actual gunfire. This concert goer tells WROC. I was feeling panic, but I knew I had to get out of there. I was like, you know what? Let me get up out of here ahead of time because, man, anything can happen. Everybody panicked because it was just too many people in one place and the rush, and I just seen people falling. You know, it was just, it was sad. Rochester Mayor Malik Evans held a news conference this morning. Prayers go out to the victim that passed away last night and those that are fighting for their life. This is a tragedy of epic proportions and it's something that all of us who love concerts worry about. Some of those injured reported to be in critical condition. The show's headliner was Memphis-born rapper Glow Rilla. 
Her real name is Gloria Hallelujah Swanson. She took to Twitter to say that she's, quote, praying everybody is okay. Federal investigators are probing the debris of last week's four-alarm blaze, which claimed the life of Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno. ATF Branch Chief Walter Shaw says the investigation is slow because the remains of the Main Street building are too unstable to allow for the use of heavy equipment. Hopefully, towards the end of this week or uh, the end of next week, we're able to uh, come up with a hypothesis that we like uh, that could explain how this fire started and what what actually happened uh, to the, the fire. Buffalo Fire Commissioner Ronaldo says Arno was likely the victim of a secondary backdraft at the height of that blaze. We do believe there was a, a second backdraft as well, yes. We believe the first backdraft caused uh, part of the structural collapse and uh, uh, Jason was covered by a significant amount of debris and that's why they were not able to retrieve him in time. A wake for Arno will be held Thursday afternoon at the Amagon Funeral Home on Delaware Avenue in Buffalo. The funeral service on Friday morning inside of St. Joseph Cathedral on Franklin Street. Geneva police are continuing their investigation into multiple graffiti incidents that happened across the city. Officials say the graffiti was discovered in several locations this weekend, including the Finger Lakes Welcome Center and Seneca Lake State Park, as well as businesses. They also say the graffiti contained offensive messages and images. A Shimung County home heavily damaged by fire yesterday. The blaze broke out around noon at 984 Breezeport Road in Erin. The only person home at the time escaped unharmed. County Deputy Fire Coordinator Bud Baldwin tells WENY firefighters did everything they could to try to save that structure. The fire chief got a lot of water coming on right off the bat, and um, there was no water issues at all. We had a fill site set up in Breezeport, um, and that's where they were shuttling the tankers to. Seven fire departments responded to that alarm. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. This week, thousands of flowers are going to be distributed across western New York during the 37th annual Hospice Buffalo Spring Bouquet Sale. That event starts today, runs through Saturday. Bouquets can be purchased at public locations and flower shops in Erie County. A full list can be found online. New census data shows people are ditching states like New York and California in droves. Many of those leaving are now calling Florida and Texas home. Kafir Cohen owns a moving company. I would say there was growth of almost 100 Experts say it's a combination of high housing costs, schools, the ability to work remotely, and taxes. Joy Benedict reporting. Fix it, don't ditch it. That was the message over the weekend during a free repair event for household items in Buffalo. The nonprofit Tool Library hosted the Dare to Repair Cafe. And they'll sort of walk them through what the problem is, ideally identify what the solution to fix it is, and they will go home with a perfectly working item. Executive Director Darren Cotton tells WIVB. Our goal really is to divert waste, but also teach people skills and really trying to recapture that like fixer culture. The Dare to Repair cafes, which are held monthly in various locations, feature volunteer experts who are versed in most everything from electrical repairs to sewing strategies. At Rochester's Strong Museum of Play held a Deaf Day of Play yesterday. Students from the Rochester Institute of Technology provided sign language assistance throughout the day. Because Rochester has the largest deaf population per capita in the U.S., it's really essential to provide access in these types of spaces. 
Danny Mafia helps run RIT's degree program in ASL English interpretation. She tells WROC events such as the Deaf Day of Play provide valuable experience for students as well as providing a way to give back to Rochester's deaf community. To Pennsylvania now, Governor Josh Shapiro will deliver his first budget to the legislature tomorrow. Family Life's Brandon Dixon with a preview. The Democrat is aiming to remake the state's public school funding system and to put PA on competitive footing with other states to attract major companies. Shapiro has been touring the Keystone State, speaking to business audiences, promising to be a cheerleader for the nation's number two natural gas state and to ensure state government speeds along permits to businesses seeking to hire, dig, or build. He also is vowing to make a down payment on the billions of dollars that public school advocates say are necessary to fix disparities between poor and wealthy school districts in the Commonwealth. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you, Brandon. An attorney for a Pennsylvania man who's facing charges after bringing explosives into the Lehigh Valley Airport wants one of those charges dropped. Mark Muffley is accused of bringing what the TSA calls an explosive device in his luggage at the airport last week. In court, Muffley's attorney says he shouldn't be charged with attempting to have placed an explosive or incendiary device on an aircraft. The attorney says Muffley wanted to light the fireworks off at a Florida beach, saying the materials were in plastic wrap, which meant no explosion could have gone off. U.S. attorneys are asking the judge in the Tree of Life shooting case out of Pittsburgh to grant them permission to conduct a psychiatric evaluation for the suspect in that case, Robert Bowers. Federal prosecutors filed a motion requesting that a psychiatrist, neuropsychologist, and neurologist be granted access to Bowers ahead of the trial. Potential jurors are due to meet with court officials starting today. To bolster funding for Pennsylvania's transportation infrastructure, the state Senate passed legislation to restrict the diversion of transportation funding out of the Motor License Fund. We get more on that from Family Life's Terry Diener. The motor license fund is required by the Pennsylvania Constitution for design, construction, and maintenance of state and local highways. However, a large portion is transferred to the Pennsylvania State Police for statewide highway patrol operations. Senate Bill 121 dedicates the transportation charges to road and bridge safety projects while ensuring the Pennsylvania State Police receive reliable, sustainable funding from sources beyond the motor license fund. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thanks, Terry. And staying on the road, Pennsylvania will soon take up the issue again of whether to allow local police departments to use radar to catch speeding drivers. Legislation sponsored by State Senator Greg Rothman approved unanimously Friday by the Senate Transportation Committee. Pennsylvania is the only state in the country that prohibits local police from being equipped with speed enforcement radar. Supporters say Senate Bill 459 has built-in protections to ensure that radar won't be misused to raise revenue and wouldn't be used unless a driver exceeds a speed limit by at least 10 miles per hour. All right, let's speed over to the sports desk. Here's Randy. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, it was a thriller in Boston yesterday, and the Knicks were loving the aftermath as they extended their winning streak to nine games. They outlasted the Celtics in double overtime, 131 to 129. Emmanuel quickly had a career high 38 points. R.J. Barrett chipped in with 29 and grabbed 11 rebounds in the victory. Jason Tatum of the Celtics led all scorers with 40 points. We know the basket is 10 feet high, but when it feels 10 feet wide as well, well, that's always a good feeling. And that is what Mikkel Bridges was sensing. He went a perfect 9-for-9 in the first quarter in their game against the Charlotte Hornets. 
The Nets won 102-86. Bridges finished with a game-high 33 points in the victory. Also picking up wins, Phoenix, Indiana, the Lakers, Trailblazers, Rockets, Thunder, the Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. On the ice, the Flyers snapped their four-game losing streak with a 3-1 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Charlotte shut out Tampa Bay 6-0. The Golden Knights beat Montreal 4-3. And a couple of overtime games ended with New Jersey edging Arizona 5-4. And the Kraken came out on top of the Colorado Avalanche 3-2. To NASCAR, William Byron circled victory lane in style following his win in Vegas. Byron overtook Martin Truex Jr. after a late restart to earn the victory. Kyle Larson was second, Alex Bowman third, Bubba Wallace fourth, and Christopher Bell rounded out the top five. For Byron, it was his fifth NASCAR Cup Series win. That is a look at sports. All right, thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, police and protesters clash in Atlanta, Americans kidnapped in Mexico, and later on, we'll meet the world's youngest baseball umpire. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Russian novelist Fyodor Dostoevsky once said that beauty will save the world. Reflecting on those words in his 1970 Nobel Prize acceptance speech, Alexander Solzhenitsyn asked the question, What sort of statement is that? How could that be possible? When in bloodthirsty history did beauty ever save anyone from anything? What's a legitimate question in a sin-cursed world like ours, so racked with natural disasters, human violence, deceit, disease, war, famine, cancer, and mental illness? In the face of such evil and suffering, beauty can seem quaint and powerless, at best a distraction, certainly not a solution. And yet, beauty is particularly effective in bringing joy and appreciation to the forefront of our lives, introducing us to names from the past we may not otherwise know, and placing the image of God and men and women on full display. Take, for example, Vincent van Gogh, the 19th century Dutch painter of glowing flowers and heavenly lights, a man whose art so starkly contrasted with his troubled life. Writing recently in the Wall Street Journal, John Miller argued that van Gogh's art testifies to a stubborn faith, even during his darkest moments. Not only is that faith evident in the Dutch master's work, it was evident in his words. In a letter to his brother, written two years before his death, Van Gogh said that he still had a tremendous need for religion, so, quote, I go outside at night to paint the stars. But the result of that was a painting that's now recognized as a masterpiece, The Starry Night, which currently hangs in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. It exhibits the ethereal light, the bold color and coarse brushwork that would immortalize the name of Van Gogh after his untimely death. It's also one of those things that Os Guinness refers to as a signal of transcendence. In other words, stars mean something. Miller points out that Van Gogh's several starry-themed paintings include Christian imagery that's easy to miss. Churches, convents, crosses, perhaps even a reference to the Twelve Disciples. Though Van Gogh wasn't a religious painter in a strict sense, his faith, Miller argues, flows as a powerful undercurrent in all of his art. The reason we know Van Gogh's name is not because of his madness. It's because of his eye for beauty, his ability to express it on canvas. As one documentary once put it, Vincent was at his sanest when he was painting. In his Nobel Prize speech, Solzhenitsyn went on to say that, quote, a work of art bears within itself its own verification. Those works of art which have scooped up the truth and presented it to us as a living force, he said, they take hold of us, compel us, and nobody ever, not even in ages to come, will appear to refute them, end quote. 
Well, for millennia, Christians have celebrated truth, goodness, and beauty as transcendent testimonies to God's existence and his character. While it is possible to deny truth and goodness, Sultanitsyn thought that beauty had some irrefutable quality, something that forces even an opposing heart to surrender. It arrests us. It cuts through our objections as the light of the stars cut through Van Gogh's troubled mind. It leaves us blessedly vulnerable to God's grace, even in a dark and fallen world. Truth is, as the Apostle John makes clear in his gospel, a person, one who has himself faced suffering and who will, in the end, answer all of our questions and make all things new. If the vision that finally captivated a broken Dutch painter is that same person, then Dostoevsky was right. Beauty will indeed save the world. In fact, he has. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. Breakpoint is made possible by generous gifts from listeners like you. You can support this daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth on our website, breakpoint.org slash radio. That's breakpoint.org slash radio. All right, now let's check in with meteorologist Kevin Williams. Generally cloudy. Light snow and light rain spraying through parts of the area continuing into tonight, with the most significant accumulations occurring in the western and central Twin Tiers region. There, amounts could reach in excess of four inches. Most areas will see little more than a coating. Temperatures today peaking in the 30s and low 40s, dropping to below freezing tonight. Tomorrow, a good deal of cloudiness with a brisk wind. Flurries late for the lake effect areas, high temps in the 30s. And mostly cloudy and brisk with Tuesday and Wednesday featuring some snow flurries off the lake belts and high temperatures mainly in the 30s. Thank you very much, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. Let's recap some of the day's top stories. Nearly three dozen people could be facing charges in a violent protest at the construction site of Atlanta's new public safety training center. Police Chief Darren Shirebaum didn't mince words when talking about what happened. This wasn't about a public safety training center. This was about anarchy, and this was about the attempt to destabilize. Protesters were accused of setting fire to construction equipment and throwing fireworks at responding officers last night. Most of those involved reportedly not from the Atlanta area. Four Americans are in the hands of Mexican cartel kidnappers. This is an area known for drug cartel violence and the U.S. consulate had just issued an alert on Friday. The FBI says these four Americans were in a minivan and had driven in from Brownsville, Texas. Their vehicle was fired upon and they were then taken from the scene by armed men. CBS's Cammy McCormick. The Battle of Bakhmut rages on in Ukraine. Ukrainian forces are putting up a fierce resistance as both suffer enormous losses. It's here we meet 85-year-old Antonina. Whenever I leave my home, I pray to God, she says. I pray I can get some bread and not get killed along the way. CBS's MTS Tayab in Ukraine. Deja vu for people in Ohio. Over the weekend, another Norfolk and Southern train went off the tracks, this time in Springfield. County Health Commissioner Charles Patterson says unlikely past East Palestine wreck. This one posed no health threat. There have been multiple sweeps by multiple teams to ensure that aren't any chemicals present in the soil, air, or water. Springfield is near Columbus, a couple of hundred miles away from East Palestine. Jurors in the high-profile double murder trial of Alex Murdoch are speaking out. Witness testimony was very believable, and the Kennel video definitely played a major part in his testimony. Juror Amy Williams told NBC's Today she doesn't believe Murdoch should have taken the stand in his own defense, saying it hurt him. They said his emotions during his two days of testimony didn't seem genuine.
Congressman Jim Himes says the possibility of China sending Russia lethal aid is a serious threat. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, the Connecticut Democrat said that he doesn't think a final decision has been made, but he hopes that wisdom prevails as China officials weigh their options. He went on to praise the Biden administration for sending a strong warning to China about helping Russia in their fight against Ukraine. And a Florida man is recovering after opening his front door Friday night only to find an alligator. The Daytona Beach resident thought someone was on his front porch looking for his son, but it was actually a nearly eight-foot-long alligator who lunged at him, bit the man in the thigh. He's now recovering from that injury. Youch. All right, you're listening to The Noon Report here on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Issues in Education. Mondays, during the Noon Report, we spotlight the issues making news in the classroom with Dr. Ralph Kerr at the Teaching and Learning Institute in beautiful Houghton, New York. Ralph, um, I guess I'm not correct on that. Uh, you're in beautiful, where is it? Hilton Head, South Carolina. Suffering yes, for Christ, as we like to say. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the program, Ralph. It's such an honor you, to get your expertise uh, every week that we air this show. And there's a lot of places we want to go this week. We're going to begin today in Arizona. There was a school board member last week who said that Christians, she actually said this, Christians are dangerous. Their values should be rejected. Her name is Tamilia Valenzuela. She's taking issue with her school school's participation with a local Christian college to find student teachers. Here's what she said, and I'll get your reaction to it. Part of their values is influence, engage, and transform the culture with truth by promoting biblically informed values. At some point, we need to get real with ourselves and take a look at who we're making legal contracts with and the message that that is sending to our community. Because that makes me feel like I could not be safe in this school district. So this school board member, because of her not feeling safe, that school has ended that partnership with that Christian university, even at a time when school districts are facing a shortage of teachers. Ralph, your reaction to this story? Well, the other part of that was that the school board member said that she believes in religious freedom, which is kind of uh, contrary to what she just said. This is just a, a tragedy. We've got school boards taking these positions. Not only do they not like the positions that the Arizona Christian University take, but to say that Christians in general and Christian values make people feel unsafe is just beyond any kind of reason that a normal person would have, it seems to me. Yeah, uh, it used to be I may disagree with you, but now it's you're dangerous. Uh, and that's, yes. a, that's a noticeable difference in the language. Uh, this cancel culture that's out there now, I imagine it's, it's why you are so adamant that Christians get involved in their local school districts. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Bob. There were enough board members on that board that agreed with that position that they did go ahead and cancel the contract with Arizona Christian University. Hmm. And as you said, this is a great reason for people to consider running for their local school board because they have an opportunity to uh, really hold up normal values, it would seem to me, and Christian values. But I want to encourage 
people again at this time of year to consider running for their local school board. And all that information is on your website, Ralph. We'll give that at the end. Pennsylvania, we mentioned the teacher shortage problem. Pennsylvania wants to do something about that. They've proposed giving uh, 17,500 students at 10 state-run universities yearly scholarships of about $1,500 if those students pursue careers in education. Is this an effective way to go about this teacher shortage problem? Well, I don't know if it's an effective way. It is a way, but here's my concern with this. You have to have a heart to be a teacher and to deal with the students that sit in front of you day after day. And I'm concerned that there are many people that get into teaching and only last a year or two and then say, this is not for me. Yeah. And so, you know, to pay somebody to uh, to get that degree who probably is not going to last because they just don't have the heart for teaching seems to me to be, again, just a waste of money. Yeah, great point, Ralph. Well, hey, we've mentioned these a time or two. Satan clubs, they seem to be all the rage these days. I don't mean to laugh because it's not a laughing matter. But, uh, you know, we've talked about this on this program. Uh, there was one down in Pennsylvania that recently called it quits because of the public uproar over an after-school Satan club. Will this controversy, Ralph, in your opinion, force districts to eliminate all after-school clubs, the Boy Scouts, Little League, Good News Clubs, whatever, anything that's not affiliated with the school? Well, as someone said years ago, you may be too young to remember this, but the devil is in the details. <laughs> and in this case, the problem with this whole thing is that, yes, districts, if they close their school facility use to Satan clubs, they would have to do the same to Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Little League, Bible clubs. So, again, another reason for people to get involved in their local school board because they can have a direct impact on decisions like this that are affecting schools in both New York State and Pennsylvania. All right. And that is why he exists, folks. Well, there's several reasons. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, getting Christians involved in their local public schools. There's no greater way that you can be salt and light. Uh, and Ralph, there is information on this on your website about how to run for your local school board. If folks are interested hearing this program right now and say, hey, that's something I might want to do, where can they find you, Ralph? They can simply go to whyrun.org, whyrun.org. Thank you, gentlemen. Issues in Education airs Mondays during the Noon Report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just ahead, some people look down at baseball umpires, but in this case, you might have to. After all, he's only seven. You're out! Where do you get that malarkey? I'm safe! I said you're out! I'm safe! You're out! Safe! Out! Safe! Out! Safe! Out! Safe! A very good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. The disturbance in the Midwest is coming east, and with it will come a narrow stripe of snow that will impact parts of the western and central Twin Tiers later this day and night. Travelers, be prepared for some slippery conditions. Here are the details for this afternoon. Generally cloudy. Light snow and light rain spraying through parts of the area continuing into tonight, with the most significant accumulations occurring in the western and central Twin Tiers region. There, amounts could reach in excess of four 
inches. Most areas will see little more than a coating. Temperatures today peaking in the 30s and low 40s, dropping to below freezing tonight. Tomorrow, a good deal of cloudiness with a brisk wind. Flurries late for the lake effect areas, high temps in the 30s. And mostly cloudy and brisk with Tuesday and Wednesday featuring some snow flurries off the lake belts and high temperatures mainly in the 30s. Finally at noon. Play ball. Well, maybe he doesn't have a booming voice just yet, but seven-year-old Lathan Williams of Hammond, Louisiana, more than makes up for it with enthusiasm and a precocious knowledge of baseball. His social media handle is Lathan the Kid Umpire. He's been calling outs and balls and strikes since he was five, umping games for 12-year-olds. Listen to this little boy in blue explain his call on a close one at first base. Okay, so I called him out because he put his heel up and then down before the runner got there. Now, the bespectacled Lathan's going for a Guinness World Record as the world's youngest umpire. He's slated to call a doubleheader on Wednesday. And that's the world we live in for Monday, March 6th, 2023. As always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.